You know, I grew up in a home that, uh, in, a, in a church environment where uh, we went to camp, summer camp. When I was a kid, we had, um, when I was a kid, we had family camp, when families all across our district would gather at the district campgrounds, would dra- when I was real small, we dragged our cabin tent, a big old canvas, and my dad had built a platform because we had our own little plot there, and so we had a platform on which we had our cabin tent. We had a cooler that had ice box with a, my dad dug a hole in the ground. Long story short, we enjoyed a camp experience. Uh, inspiring, fiery teachers, and uh, lessons all day long, rubbing shoulders with other Christians. The Holy Spirit would just fall in the prayer room behind. You know, every, every night after the night worship service, we would go to the prayer room, and oh, it was delightful. And I also went to children's camp, camp, to kids' camp, to junior high camp, and to high school camp. And the same thing, all week long, absolutely reveled in the presence of God at camp. From the moment you get up around the flagpole, you know, someone had a morning devotion, a prayer at the breakfast. I mean, the day was just chock full with spiritualness. And I really, really liked it. But you know what? Eventually we had to go home. Camp meeting was over, and we had to go home. And hopefully what we experienced at camp, what we experienced at camp tied over in the nitty-gritty of our daily lives. And this morning, one of the things I'm going to talk about and hit on is there is definitely a time and a place for camp meeting. There's a time and a place. I, 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 I identify with Peter, who is up there with Jesus and James and John on the mountain, and Jesus was transfigured, and Moses, and I want to say Elijah was there with him, and wow, this is wonderful. This is camp meeting, if you will. Let's build a tabernacle and stay here. Jesus, no, we can't do that. We can't stay here. We've got, to get, we've got work to do. Another time, Jesus was uh, uh, preaching, and people were getting healed and falling out, and and it was wonderful. The people just wanted to, on the spot, coronate Jesus and make him king, and the disciples were like, wow, this is great. Look at how warmly we're we're received. And I want to just interject right here that, uh, you know, in these days, if a ministry was going so powerfully, what a temptation it would be to just allow people to coronate us and, you know, to to really make a following. And Jesus said, quick, we've got to get out of here. We've got to get out of here. His disciples said, we've got to get out of here. He said, we've got to get out of here that I might preach the gospel to other places. For it's my purpose to come to preach the gospel, not, not, to, not to live at camp meeting, if you will. Not to live on the mountain of transfiguration, if you will. I want to set the stage for where we are in, in Acts chapter 5. Um, you know, Pentecost came, praise God, Pentecost came a time like none other in terms of spiritual blessing on, on the people. And, he, and they were just enjoyed each other's company. Every day they, they were in camp meeting. Every day they went to the temple and they sat in Solomon's uh, porch there. And the, the, the uh, apostles would preach to them. And, and uh, miracles were happening left and right. Peter and John on their way to the temple lifted that guy, lame guy up. And, and wasn't it wonderful? And and, and everywhere that they went, people were being healed and delivered, and the Holy Spirit was falling on them left and right. They were in camp meeting. They, they were done with business as usual. They sold their businesses. They sold their houses. And they lived at camp meeting. They, they, nobody had any needs because they shared everything in common. Someone kept track of the treasury, and when you had to go buy groceries, I reckon you went to Peter and said, 
the wife's going to go buy groceries, and he and Peter would say, "Well, here's sixty dollars. It's part of the treasury. You know, just go. This is camp meeting, which is just a wonderful, wonderful time. To you know, the spirit was thick, and they were enjoying it. And it may well be that in the embryonic stage of the church, that that's what was necessary. So I don't want to take away from that this morning. That may have been a necessary glory day. I know as a kid, uh, the you know." Uh, infusion of a week at camp, I don't know what equate it to, you know, do I want to try to equate it to some kind of booster shot or something. It was necessary in this young man's life that I had a camp experience in June or July. It, it, it really did carry me all year round, but oh, and I like to go back to camp again. And, uh, you know, have that camp experience again. These people were kind of living in camp meeting. It, right before our text this morning, the, the, the uh, Sadducees, motivated, we're told, by jealousy, had the apostles, the teachers, captured and jailed. So things were coming to a, you know, you're at camp meeting, and all of a sudden the preachers hauled off and brought to the hootscow. You know, the, things were starting to, you know, sort of screech to a halt. And I'd like to read uh, uh, chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, if you've got your Bibles open, of Acts. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison. This is, this is where the apostles had been brought, sitting in a public jail. The angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison, and taking them out, the angel said, now pay attention, this is going to be our verse for the day. Go stand and speak to the people in the temple, the whole message of this life. Upon hearing this, they entered into the temple about daybreak and then began to teach. Go stand and speak to the people in the temple the whole message of this life. We've got a new international version that says of this new life. And that's the implied idea, you know, this, this Christian life. What do you see in that order? I, I, as I look at that verse, I see the word whole, and then I see the word speak or, or teach. Until this point in our story, the 120 or, or, or even the thousands of converts that have been uh, captivated and mesmerized by the spiritual, uh, supernatural, they, they had enjoyed a lap a, a lap of spiritual luxury in the presence of God. They had enjoyed the sound of the rushing mighty wind, the flames of fire, the baptism in the spirit, the speaking in tongues, the thousands of people getting saved and baptized. It was camp meeting. The, the layman jumping to his feet, uh, the sharing of all their goods. Ananias and Sapphira uh, were, were playing a shady deal and they got stricken by the Lord. In chapter 5 and verse 12, the apostles were constantly performing miracles uh, and, and healings. Unclean spirits were being exercised from people's lives. People, verse 15, were so smitten with the supernatural that they would line the streets and bring out, drag out blankets and cots and put people on it so that when the apostles walked by, even their shadows would fall on, the, on, on those people that they brought out and put on the sidewalk. The apostles and the believers were in a spiritual candy store. 
I, it was wonderful. I, again, I, 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 I am jealous. I would want to be in the candy store too with all that good stuff uh, going on. They, they, these people were high on the supernatural things God was doing among them. And I, I believe God needed to get their attention. Verse 18, the Sadducees laid their hands on the apostles and put them in public jail. You heard the uh, screech of brakes on the road. Their teachers were thrown into public jail. People, no doubt, said, the preachers are in jail. The show's over. We might as well go home. They probably were wondering, what, what's going to come of this? And the Lord sent a special uh, message to those captive apostles. Go stand and speak to the people in the temple the whole message of this life. I, I, as I look at this coming down and I think about the way it was working, I can kind of read between the lines and see, okay, we've got their attention. But before we create a band of supernatural junkies, teach them the whole message of this life. Just going to tell you, that's the lens that I, I think the Spirit showed me this text to, to look at it through. This life, what does that mean, this life? This life includes powerful moments of miracles and the supernatural that these guys uh, have been enjoying. It includes that. This life includes the Marcy's, uh, the Robins, the Cliffs, the, you know, and, and have hope for your situation. It includes those wonderful, wonderful times where, where like I said, where Peter was on the mountaintop with them, the, the, the Mount Transfiguration moment. It includes that. It's part of that, and, and, I, and I in no way want to have you think for a minute that I'm not excited about and that I don't revel in uh, the opportunity for those things uh, to come along. But the meat and potatoes of this life includes a lot more than that. Those people were becoming, uh, my, my expression, desertaholics. Who doesn't like dessert? I love dessert. Usually I'm so full by the time I'm done eating some good cooking, I don't have much room for it, but I try to make a little room uh, for dessert. His people weren't very acquainted with the, with the vegetables of this life. The, I, want you to, I want you to just stew on it for just a second. The angel said to the apostles, go now and teach them the whole message of this new life. See, something had been missing. Something had been a little deficient, or the angel wouldn't have had to say that to them. Don't, 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 argue, this, don't argue for yourself this point. No mental sword play with me here. The angel clearly had to get their attention. He had them put in jail, captive audience. He says, look, I'm opening the door, and you're going to go back out. But when you go out, go back to the temple now and teach them the whole message of this new life. It's, you see, the people need to learn that the whole message of this life is more than the dessert that they've been enjoying now for a month or two. The whole message of this life includes so much more. Jesus, when he was uh, working through his ministry here on earth, he got frustrated with the people who had uh, uh, experienced um, all the, the show, the goosebumps, the people healing, the, the bread multiplied out. And he actually, he actually scolded them a couple times. He said, you guys, you're just following me for the show. 
You're just following me because I fed you the other day. You're, you know, t- turn your minds around a little bit and, and, and try to hear what I'm teaching. Don't just follow for the show. He said in another place that a wicked and an adulterous generation is a generation that follows after, that seeks after signs. So Jesus got a little frustrated with uh, desertaholics in his day, too. Uh, Jesus said there was no greater prophet than John. Remember, he's just out there in a coat of, uh, what was it, camel's hair, I want to say, eating locusts and honey and just preaching the word, preaching the word. And Jesus said there's no greater prophet than John, but he didn't do one one, uh, miracle. I believe that's what he said. I shift to Jesus' message of uh, Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, where he was quoted as saying, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Let me perch here for just a minute. Luke was quoting somebody who was quoting Jesus, and he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. May I suggest to you this morning that left alone without a lesson like today's in our spirits we could let ourselves come to the point where in our spirits about spiritual things we can be left with a reflex that it's wonderful to receive oh receive 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 oh it's wonderful to receive isn't it wonderful to receive let's go here and receive oh let's receive receiving is so good And God is good, and he doesn't hold back any good thing for his children. But let me tell you something. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And the message of the angel to the teacher this morning would be the same. Teach my people the whole message of this life. Good that you're enjoying the outpouring of God and his Holy Spirit. Good that it gives you goosebumps. Good that people like Marcy and and Robin and Cliff are being healed. Good, but it's more blessed to give than to receive. We're not talking about money here. We're talking about lifestyle here. We're talking about the expectations that God has for us in the day-to-day. The whole message of this life is we're not people that go around desert junkies from, from one blessing to another blessing just seeking to receive all the time. Nothing wrong with receiving, but we're people that are moving beyond that to where we understand it's more blessed to give than just receive. The angel ordered the apostles to begin teaching the whole message of this new life. Lesson one, Christians are to be givers and not receivers. I pray, let me just point the finger towards me. I pray my life is marked. Someday some people are going to be, stand, if the Lord tarries, standing around some box, and I pray that comments go something like this. He was a guy that knew how to give. Again, I'm not talking about money. I try to be generous with people, but... You know, just give of whatever God has given me that I haven't just held it in and, and, and you know, and let it rot inside of me. But, but I've, I've been a conduit of God's goodness. The Lord, uh, I believe, had seen the multitude's enthusiasm here in Acts for, for uh, spiritual, uh, supernatural, for receiving healings. They were pretty enthusiastic. By the time they were lining the sidewalks with all the sick people just hoping for the parade of the apostles to come by. They were being enthusiastic about the supernatural. I don't want to chide them for that. I just want to say uh, 
the Lord had seen their enthusiasm for this supernatural, for, for receiving uh, healings, miracles, blessings, goosebumps, but they knew nothing yet, this young church, about being a blessing, of doing the work of a believer. I don't want to put, I'm going to, but, you know, I, I have no idea if it's accurate. You know, in your life, the odds ought to be tilted in, 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 towards the doing and being a blessing to others rather than receiving the blessing. I'm saying like 2080. You receive blessings, but you receive them so that you can go out and you can do them. Not 80-20. Not receive, 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 and very little, if any, uh, uh, giving. And, and at this point in the early church, they had known only of the dessert. They didn't know anything of the vegetables. They had known only of receiving. They didn't know anything of the giving. The angel told the leaders, you're doing a good job, but go teach them the whole message of this new life. That there's going to be some things required of them in this new life. It's not going to all be blessings and goosebumps. There's going to be the doing of the work of the believer. May I suggest to you that times haven't changed that much. Human nature hasn't changed that much. Given the choice, I would rather, in terms of spiritual things, receive than give. You know, giving is work. That's what it boils down to. It boils down to work, inconvenience, imposition. Receiving is so nice. You sit at Jesus' feet and you receive. And I'm going to tell you, I, for one, could easily become a desertaholic, could become a spirit junkie, could, be, could become someone... I enjoy it. I want to make a confession, and, and, and I'm sort of not apologetic about it. I don't know what I am about it in light of the message today. But I enjoy as much as the next guy sitting at the feet of Jesus just taking it in. I enjoy camp meeting. I enjoy a fiery sermon. I enjoy an altar uh, meeting where, and crying out for the Lord and, and being there for 20 or 30 or 40 minutes, maybe more, uh, not keeping track of time, and just praying out to God and singing out to God, you know, what do you call it, uh, on the fly, just songs break out. Just, just, I'm all about that. I wish we had more of that. I'm not trying to have less of that. We're rubbing sticks together here trying to make some of that. So don't hear me saying, let's not have that. But do hear me saying that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And in the early church, they actually had a problem where they didn't know anything of the, uh, the whole message of this new life. And so uh, the angels had to get the teacher's attention and tell them to do something about it. My thought is that human nature hasn't changed today. The whole message of this new life, it's a different life. Our life is a different life. It's a different lifestyle. We have different values. We have different uh, goals. It's a life marked with sacrifice. Let me tell you, you go out those doors and you decide not to come back, and I say that symbolically. And, you know, I pity that decision for you. Uh, to, to, to escape from God. But it's a different life. You're living all for yourself. You want, you want to know what the whole message of this new life is. It's a life marked with sacrifice. Thank God we're sort of insulated from it in, in this country, but there's people every day of the week, friends, that give their actual life because they're Christians. I had the misfortune 
of staining my mind about six months ago. I was looking at some of the, uh, you know that I'm sort of fascinated by, interested in um, persecution. I really care about persecution of the saints around the globe. You have no, uh, let me just say, unless you've studied it, you have no idea. Unless you've got an iron stomach, you, ha you best not Google and hit the video button, Christian persecution. I'll tell you one of the videos I saw. He was a Christian leader in the community over in Sudan or someplace over there, I don't remember. And it was the Islamic uh, foes that didn't like him, didn't like what he was doing. All he was is a father, a husband, and a, some sort of Sunday school teacher or something in the church. Someone, we live in a day of video cameras, you know, funniest home videos. We're, we're capturing more and more things that, unless, that used to be, unless you were there, you just never got to see it. You may even hear a report about it, but now you can see things. They had it up to here with him, the Muslims, him being a man of God. And so today was the day that they were going to get their machetes and they were going to kill him. They were going to take justice. It's just some backwoods, slightly bigger than a village, because, I mean, there were cars rumbling through the, the streets and stuff. I saw the video. I saw those guys, you know, chasing him down and slashing on him. And I saw pieces of his flesh falling off. And I, and I saw a police, like, uh, SUV going by. And, and he banged on the door, help me, help me. And the policeman just drove away. Didn't want to stop and get involved and, and maybe himself get involved. And, and, and as these people viciously just attacked him. You see, we're, we're insulated from any of that kind of stuff today. It stained my mind. When I saw it, I can't get the image out of my mind what they did to that man. Well, let me tell you something. The whole message of this, of this life, this new life, is that we're walking a life that's going to be marked with suffering. I want you to put in perspective next time something just doesn't go your way and you're a little bit pity party about, uh, uh, you know, why isn't God taking better care of me than this? If that video did me any good, it made me feel, learn to feel so small when I whiny baby about things in my life and then I realized I'm not having to get pieces of my body. Guys, can you imagine how scary that would be? Running around, and these guys just are rabid with their, with their interest in just dismembering you and killing you and won't stop until they do. You've got kids. You've got a family. You've got... It doesn't matter. They're, they're I'm convinced, demon-possessed and on a one, have a one-track mind. And I realized, God, you've never asked me to suffer like that. But the, the whole message of this new life, the message that these desertaholics that have only enjoyed all the wonderful fuzzies uh, so far since the, the, the uh, Pentecost, is this is going to be a road marked with suffering. It's a different life th than you would have preferred uh, for yourself. It, it, it's a life where we choose to prefer God's ways over our ways. It's a life where we prefer... I make a choice to be a God follower. The whole message of this new life is suddenly Sam's needs become more important than my needs. Linda's needs become more important than my needs. Let me tell you, if you're outside of this new life, now I might be good friends with you and I may, you know, to, to the degree it's convenient for me, try to help out. I'm not saying the world's not generous with other people, but they don't come, in general, consider it to be their solemn duty to put themselves last on the list be, be behind what God wants to do and what your neighbor uh, maybe uh, needs done. 
Uh, this new life, teaching about the new life, is a life that understands submission. Teaching in expecting. So this is going to be a little longer than normal. Don't panic. I'm, I'm working quickly, as quickly as I can. But I, I, there's a couple points that I just have to make. Um, it, it's a life that understands something about submission. Teaching and expecting children to obey and submit to their parents. I'd love to preach here for about 10 minutes. But let me just say this is part of the lesson of the whole life. The whole new life is a life of submission. Your life is not your own. You've been bought with a price. You submit to the Lord. And I, I, this is not popular in the United States of America 2012. But you children, obey your parents. For this is right. We, we might could get a, you know, the, I would expect if the group was bigger, we'd, we'd have a half a dozen or ten amens on that. But I go, Father... And all I'm doing is quoting scripture, no tomatoes. Wives, submit therefore to your husbands. Now we can preach here for 10 minutes and get ourselves in a lot of trouble. God has set up an order. He didn't just turn children loose to, to run like little banshees all around the world raising themselves. He put parents over the children as a covering, as leadership, as protection. And, and, and wives, the whole message of this new life includes the sense that you are blessed. If you've got a husband, you are blessed to have a covering, a protector, a leader, a provider. But the Lord has given you a solemn uh, res challenge, responsibility, and that is to submit to your husband's leadership. Let's start with the easy and work to the hard. What if your child doesn't think it's right about what you are, are teaching them or, or insisting upon them? Do you expect the child to call for a, you know, a, a, a meeting and take a vote? No, my children didn't get to vote. Maybe if we were going out to eat, they could vote on where we were going out to eat. But if I said shut off the television, we didn't get to take a vote about that. Amen, Nelson? We didn't vote about that. We didn't vote about that. It's an easy concept to understand how a godly parent wouldn't, wouldn't run his household like a democracy with his children. It'd be a mess. Children don't know. It'd be a mess. It's an easy concept for us to wrap our brains around. You know what? This is delicate, and I know it's delicate. Work with me. Embrace the delicacy of the, of the moment with me. Men, men aren't better people. Men aren't necessarily smarter. Men aren't necessarily more godly. We might be less on everything that's capable of being marked. We might be less. But you know what? The Word of God says, wives, submit to the covering I've put there. And everything that you were quite understanding and capable of saying amen to about the children, the exact same stamp, the exact same template that we can understand with regard to children and submitting to their parents, the same template is there. And the same template is there for, for, for all knowing adult Christians or people who know better to submit to the Lord. The Lord doesn't call a conference meeting and take a vote. He's got a plan. My job, to hear what he's saying and then to do it. Not to argue, not to fuss, 
Not to tell him why I think there would be another idea that would be better. The Lord's not interested in that. Well, I can, I can vent, and the Lord will tolerate my venting. But, but my venting shouldn't be in the vein that I'm going to change the Lord's mind and get him to see things my way. No, you know why? Because I'm to submit to his way. When he makes it clear that we're going to do this, then we're going to do this. When the parents say we're going to do this, we're going to do this. When the husband says we're going to do this, we're going to do this. What do we call a child that uh, says to their, their, his parents, uh, that's nice, I know what you told me, but I ain't going to do it. Do we not call that rebellious? Do we not call that a rebellious child? Don't be rebellious. There's a whole, uh, this, this teaching the whole message of this new life, there's a whole life to be lived. There's a whole message to be learned. There are people to be served. James chapter 1, verse 27, pure religion and undefiled before God is this, that you would go out and find the widows and serve them, the orphans and serve them. This is part of the, the giving mentality rather than receiving. There, there, there's something uh, to be done. Luke chapter 10, uh, what's the law? Well, what is the, what's the greatest law? Love your neighbor, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, love your neighbors yourself. Well, who's my neighbor? He tells them the story of the Good Samaritan. It's doing something that's not self-serving. One of my favorite passages of Scripture, I want to say is Matthew 25, the, all the nations are gathered before the judgment. Sheep go to one side, the goats to the other side. The end of the story goes like this. The people who put their belief in motion and did something about it, the Lord said, I'm well pleased with you. The people that sat on their hands and were receivers but not givers, the Lord said, well, actually there was great condemnation uh, for them. The good Samaritan, the sheep versus the goats, the people who are serving the, the widows and orphans. None of these were like those you know, rock and roll groupies that wander from one titillating meeting to another. I get a kick out. There's a lady we did work for, don't want to wander here long, but her name's Vicki. She's out in Pensacola Beach, and she, she's a little older than me. She's a groupie. I barely know what the word means. You know what groupie means? Groupie is someone who, uh, usually they're 20-year-olds or 15-year-olds. This Justin, is it Justin Bieber? What's his name? Justin Bieber? Okay. He's got groupies. You know, people, oh, Justin Bieber. And, and if he's in Pensacola, they're there. If he's in Montgomery, they're there. If he's in Dothan, they're there. They're groupies. Uh, uh, none of these people, the Samaritan, the sheep, the uh, people serving the widow, they're, they're not groupies going from one titillating meeting to another. They are people who have learned the whole message and to be givers and not just receivers. They are all folk who learned the whole message, who grew up and learned of a life of consecrated service, who grew up and submitted to the lordship of Christ, submitted to husbands, submitted to parents, submitted to the, the authorities. It's hard for me, can I be honest with you? It's hard for me to submit to the authorities we've currently got in place. I, I don't like what they're doing but I've got one chance to put my two cents in. It's on, I think, November 6th this year, and I'll just do what I can do on November 6th. In the meantime, I submit to the authorities that God put in place over me. 
I, I need to remind us that our human nature, that part of us that Paul refers to as the flesh, would that it were dead, but it's not. It's not dead yet. A flesh is a rebellious creature. My flesh is rebellious. One of the, if I had to just say you have one hallmark as of in your flesh, it's the hallmark of rebellion. The very first uh, decision that, that cost the Garden of Eden was a decision of rebellion. There is a strong vein of rebellion that flows through each of us. Now, I'm talking about submission this morning. I, 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 I'm wired in my, the Greek word is sarks, I'm wired in my sarks, my flesh, to rebel. And, and when I live out uh, my desires in my heart, it is pure, unadulterated rebellion. Oh, it just might look like, well, I think differently than you think. Uh, I, I'm just going to go ahead and do things my way. That's rebellion. The Old Testament talks about rebellion being as the sin of divination, being as the sin of witchcraft. God takes a very uh, dim uh, view of that. Uh, by the way, the text for that is 1 Samuel 15, 23. You can turn there if you want, or, or I just want to tell you how it's set. Saul who was impatient. Saul was being impatient. So you know what he did? He kept back some of the sheep and goats and stuff under the pretense of, I'm going to give them to the Lord. The Lord had said, kill them all. Samuel showed up. To do what the Lord said? Oh, yeah. What's the bleeding of sheep? What's the, I don't know what goats say, barring of goats or whatever. I hear. Oh, well, these I'm gonna, these are consecrated for the Lord. These I'm going to give to the Lord. I'm going to make a sacrifice of these. So the rebellion, the disobedience, was candy-coated in something highly spiritual. This is a spiritual rebellion I'm, I'm undertaking here, Samuel. You see, it's, it's for sacrifice. That's what it is, for sacrifice. Samuel said, no, Saul. So obedience is better than sacrifice. You have rebelled. I, you have specific orders. I didn't ask you what you thought of the orders. And, and, and that's when he said rebellion is as uh, the sin of witchcraft. And in the process, God judged Saul. Uh, friend, I don't care what spiritual excuse you have told yourself as to why it's okay not to submit. The fact is, it's not okay. It's rebellion, and God will not honor a rebellious wife. The angel said, teach the whole message. You, you know, from that point on, and you'll be happy to know I've got about three more little things to say. From that point on, we see less and less of the apostles focusing on the supernatural. You, you just, you get your little highlighter later and go on a little study quiz for yourself after the, he said, do the, whole, do the whole message, teach them the whole message. They get up in the morning at daybreak, they were in the temple teaching them the whole message of this new life. And I think the next miracle that's mentioned is Stephen. He's not an apostle. He's someone that needed to, again, I, I believe partly the miracles were to incite the jealousy of those that would see him stoned. But he was a, he was a uh, devout Christian man, full of the Holy Spirit, and uh, in performing some miracles. But in general, the apostles, we don't see them on the uh, sort of, uh, and I say it happy for them, but the, the spiritual rampage, you know, healings galore and, and kumbaya and everything's great over here. They're, they're now turned into teachers. Because this life is so much more. We can't have 
camp meeting 365. I remember it was always on, starting about Thursday night and Friday, the, the leaders of the camp would always start to turn the screws the same direction. You know what the direction of the screws would turn on Thursday night and Friday? Okay, kids, we're going home. And when we go home, there's a life to be lived. You're not going to be in camp meeting anymore. You're going to have to make decisions on your own. And as happy and fun as camp meeting's been, you're going to have to live your life. They were teaching us the whole message of this new life. They were getting us ready to, to, go, to go out into the nitty-gritty. We're going to be very careful today. There's a part of every person. I don't know if you knew this about me, but in my teen years, I was, did you know this? Anybody know uh, what little sort of slight profession I had? As a teenager, 14-year-old kid, we moved to a neighborhood, and we moved right across the street from Reverend Willard Smith, the Worcester, Massachusetts chapter of the Society of, Amer Society of American Magicians was the Willard Smith chapter of the Society of American Magicians. The only way you could get in would be having a member bring you in. I really liked Willard Smith, and Willard Smith, a personal friend of Houdini's, really liked me. And so he taught me some of the prestidigitation, some of the sleight of hand, and I actually was able to join the Society of American Magician uh, thing, and I did little parties and all this. I don't want to do, don't call me, I don't want to do your kids' birthday parties. Uh, I don't want to go to your shop and do parties. I still know a couple tricks and we'll maybe have fun with it sometime. But I'm not into that stuff anymore. But I, I will say this, once in a while Wanda and I travel, once in a while we go on a cruise or we go somewhere else as entertainment. I noticed that, like, let's say we're on a cruise boat and there's a guy up there doing his opera singing. Maybe a third of the ship will turn out to see him do the opera. And maybe there's a comedian. He'll get half the ship. Or maybe there's a whatever else, different kinds of great pianist. But he'll get a quarter of the ship. But you turn a magician loose, everybody likes a magician. Everybody likes, you can't fool me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see. And, and we, 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 we love a good magic show. We really do. Uh, there's a part of everybody that loves a good magic show. There's a part of everybody that loves to see miracles, that, that loves to feel goosebumps, that loves to be enraptured uh, in a spiritual environment. I'm not saying that a magic show is the same as that stuff. I'm just saying there's a part of us that really loves in a poetic word, goosebumps. Everybody loves goosebumps. And a proper dose of that is fine. A proper dose of that is to be desired. But the Lord wants us to also learn the whole message of life. Of submission. Of obedience. Of sacrifice. Of giving rather than just receiving. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your patience with us. And I would ask in Jesus' name, I give you permission to turn the dials of my life. Not only permission, I ask you, God, to turn the dials of my life. Make me more submissive. Let me see where I am not. Let me see where I am rebellious. Search me, O oh God. Know my heart, I pray. And show me. And by your Holy Spirit, empower me to change. I desire to be more and more like your son. Help each of us and forgive us uh, 
for preferring the candy over, over the vegetables. Help us to be workers, I pray. Samaritans. Sheep. Those that notice the orphans, the widows. Not only notice, but do something. Teach us, O oh God, the whole message of this new life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much for your kind attention this morning. God bless you. I pray that you have a blessed week.